You're listening to episode 224 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our look at season two of the Showcase Netflix series Travelers, and it sounds like you survived another round of parent conferences, so this is going to be easy. Yeah. Yeah, no, parent conferences are usually a pretty, pretty good experience. I usually like them. Um, wow. Every now and then, you have a kid, but uh, for the most part, it's, it's, it's pretty good. So, uh, right. only nine, well, only nine this year. I usually have like a full, you know, I, I taught freshmen before. And so I always have all these freshman parents coming in. Um, no freshmen this year. So probably about a third of the number of conferences I usually have. All right. Sounds good. Well, do you have a pick of the week? Did you have time to think of one? Oh, uh, yeah. Do yours first. I got to remember what it was. <laughs> okay. All right, well, my pick of the week is going to be Felicia Day's online short-form series, The Guild, which was online from 2007 to 2013, six seasons, 70 episodes. And as I said, they're short-form, so the episodes are anywhere from six, seven minutes to uh, 10 is probably on the high side. I noticed that on YouTube, which you can get most of them, they've got them compacted into a season so in other words season one it's all the episodes and i think it's only 42 minutes but if you don't know about this the guild follows a group of rpg gamers who even though they've been playing together for a while have never met in person until now right right. and it is just really really funny so it's definitely worth checking out short form the guild i i put a link on the uh, show notes, and I'll put a link in the website as well. I'm sorry, in, in the Facebook group as well. But uh, definitely check out the Guild if you if you haven't seen that. Yeah, that's that's a good uh, that's a good call there. The Guild is hilarious. I remember when you first told me about it. I don't know if I watched all of it actually. I think my wife and I actually sat and watched it on Netflix. But that's good. So anyway, um, my pick this week is actually was a, a, a episode. From two weeks ago, uh, almost two weeks ago, but so it was the most recent episode of Supernatural, but the second to most recent episode. Um, but it's very recent to me because I got backed up, and so basically this weekend I watched like four or five episodes of Supernatural that I'd been backed up on. So, but it was it was great. Uh, it was such a throwback to the classic uh, Supernatural episodes. Um, you know, with ghosts and they have their little, um, I can't remember what the EMF, uh, trans or, or detectors and, you know, salting doorways and everything. And it was just kind of like, um, I, I like on supernatural when they step away from the overall story. And I, it's, it's one of those shows where I actually prefer the standalones to the, uh, to the ones that, you know, the, the big dramatic story for the season. Uh, it was just, it, it reminded me, because sometimes, like, I watch Supernatural, and, and I ask, as probably anyone would be, like, how long can this show continue? You know, how, how long is, am I seeing signs of, of age or of, of, you know, the actors or the creative staff just kind of mailing it in, as would probably be natural in a show that has been on for so long? But this episode just kind of reminded me of everything that is, 
awesome about Supernatural and, and great. And you got Sam and Dean working a case together on their own without any hangers on, even though Castiel is like my favorite character. But um, so it was just, it was great. Kind of throwback to old school season one type Supernatural stuff. All right. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, a juggernaut for sure. And, uh, you know, how long it'll go, who knows? I guess it'll go as long as the two of them want to keep doing it. Yeah. Sure. All right. Well, uh, I mentioned a while back that we were going to change up the music to coincide with when we changed over the URL. And last week's episode did feature the new music, which you still haven't heard. And just one of the things that we do... Uh, some podcasts, when they record, they use the music live as they're recording. We put ours in in post-production. So, you know, Wayne doesn't hear it when, you know, we're recording. So unless, you know, unless you listen to it during the week, you haven't heard it. But it's uh, music by a bass player buddy of mine, John Holler, who also composed and performed the music for the Liberate Continuum podcast, as well as Sci-Fi Fidelity over at Den of Geek. So, you know, he, he's got stuff that's up on SoundCloud. So if you want to check him out, it's White Cat Bay. And just keep in mind, these are works in progress, not finished pieces. But, you know, if you want to check out what he's into, uh, some pretty cool stuff. And, and again, I put a link in the show notes for that as well. So uh, hopefully you're digging the new music. I, I think it was just time to uh, kind of, you know, freshen up Sci-Fi TV Rewatch a little bit. So when you get a chance, check it out this week. Yeah, I will. I will. I'm sorry I haven't okay. done it yet. So that's okay. Again, like we said, there's so many podcasts I want to listen to that aren't us that that you know you just don't have a chance. You know, I mean, I've been listening to some Buffy podcast recently because you know obviously I'm still moving through season four there. But anyway, let, let's get to Travelers. We have got a lot to talk about with episode 205 entitled Jenny. And this one was written by Jason Whiting, who wrote Protocol 4, Marcy. He co-wrote Catherine, and he also wrote Protocol 5. And his co-writer on this one is Ken Kabatoff, directed by Andy Makita. And this is the eighth episode of Travelers that he's directed. And then this one aired November 13th, 2017. So we're really starting to find some things out. And, and right off the bat, one of the things... I noticed the frenetic pace of this episode and the way it's edited, which is something I ordinarily don't like, you know, a lot of uh, jumping from one scene to another. Right. But I, I thought, I thought it fit perfectly with the rampaging virus. Sure. That's you know, working its way through the city. Well, yeah. And, and certainly by the end of the episode, our anxiety level is way up and the editing is just kind of reinforcing that, right? Like, I don't know if I've been so anxious or upset at the end of an episode uh, as I was at the end of this one. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And, uh, you know, because so much is happening and, and so much of what we don't know, you know, where this show is really headed. I mean, I won't say tonight came as a total surprise, you know, and, and, and I mean, certainly, you know, right now, let's get it out of the way. You are certainly dead on with Jenny. I mean, as you said, yeah. I, I believe your exact quote was, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. Right, right. Which is funny because uh, did you watch the like previously on part? I did not. 
in, in the previously on Traveler's part, they have a clip of David saying to Marcy, someone like you doesn't happen to someone like me. So I get why they have that because, you know, David, or Marcy and David get in touch with each other again later. But I think really the reason that's there is because that's the thing that Philip doesn't say to himself. Like Philip doesn't question himself to say, why is this girl all of a sudden super into me? Like, you know, he never asked that question. He really needed to, right? Whereas David, on the other hand, um, who I admittedly was very harsh on in season one, but uh, each time I, I see David, the more I see him, the more I, the, the, my heart warms to him. Um, but you can see that he, he does have that reflective ability that he knows. He looks at Marcy and is just like, I don't, I, I don't, I don't rate girls like you, you know, you're like, out of my you're league. In, you're out of my league, right? You're, this is not my demographic. So, um, you know, so he feels like insecure, whereas Philip is just like, uh, is just totally secure in, in, in his relationship with Jenny. And he really shouldn't have been right. Yeah. Yeah. But don't get too attached to David. Oh yeah. Well, I, I you know, I, I, I think you think. Well, I mean, based on a not, couple, you know, you wouldn't drop a spoiler like that. Oh no, 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 no! I have not watched anything past you know what we're talking about here. And, and as we said, we're recording on a Monday night, so the newest episode airs tonight, which of course I haven't seen, and and I don't know anything. But I just think you know he certainly comes across as a heroic figure in in this episode. There's no oh, yeah. question. I mean, totally yeah, selfless. No but uh, I, I want to. You know, maybe we can even throw it out there now. I don't know if you noticed when he's in his apartment, there are what look like old cathode ray tubes. And I think there were four of them. And they looked yes. like they, they had. Oh, the, right. Yes. The little yes. traveler. Yeah, the ca- no, 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 for sure. The, the, it was counting down. You're right. I, I forgot about that detail. Yes, you're right. He's doomed. So now the in other. In fact, he's got. I, I even wrote the number down. It um, was a. Uh, Thirteen fifty one thirteen, I think, right? Okay. So, is that what you had? I, I didn't write it down. I, you know, I oh. looked at it a couple times, and I couldn't tell if I was looking at it from the reverse, so that everything was. It just was. I don't know. Right. But, but well, the, the fifty one would have worked. Would, would not. I wouldn't have been able to read that. Yeah. True. Fifty one fifty. No, that's something else. Okay. Yeah. Good yeah. album, though. Yeah. Now, yeah. the other character that I think has to really be looking over his shoulder is jeff who yeah big jeff we've criticized and rightly so throughout the series but he does seem to be on the right path now sure you know i don't want to give him too much credit but at least he seems to be moving in the right direction he has his son's best interests at heart not not that he ever didn't but i'm wondering now because he too is sick you know, is this a way to get him out of the picture? I'm not sure if it complicates Marcy's life. Uh, I'm sorry, Carly's life or makes it easier. So certainly we'll watch both of those. But we learn a lot. So any mission that Mac's team has had has apparently been from the faction. Well, since... The end of last season. Right, since the end of last season. Right, right. Um, so, you know, certainly that kind of, 
you know, changes the way we view things as it, as it does for the team as well. Now, Marcy's throwing around numbers that, you know, mean in the, sh- in the near term, this is going to be catastrophic. Four million infected today, 10 million tomorrow. The aftermath of this has to be frightening or else it's not really believable. I mean, how, how in the world are they going to stop this? So within the context of the show, you know, if we use that 70% figure, 2 billion people are going to die. So that's something that... Now, that's, does, does that mean 70% are going to live? Like, I thought she said that 70% will right, survive, right? Right, right. Okay. And thir- 30% would mean right. 2 billion worldwide <clears throat> are going to die. Yes, right. Gotcha. Um, all right. Now, you know, like, like we were mentioning Jenny. Turns out to be faction. And, and, you know, what a scene when, you know, he you know, goes back and finds her on the floor unconscious from, I guess, a combination of the oxycodone and the fact that she's infected, takes her back, thinks he's doing the right thing. You know, the mission failed. She lifts her head. No, it went on just as it was supposed to. Yeah. It's like crap. Which is, but I mean, like, we were totally expecting her to say that, right? Sure, but but what is it about the oxycodone? I mean, does she OD to avoid the pain of dying from yeah. the infection? Okay. Yeah, I think she's definitely trying to kill herself. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so no no guilt over what it is she's done. She's, well, there could be that too, I think, actually, Dave. I, I, I agree with that. There's an element of that. I mean, maybe not guilt about the reduction of the population because she i assume believes that that's mankind's best bet to survive even though that may or may not be true but does she feel guilty about using philip i mean is she that cold-hearted i mean maybe but i don't think she is like you know we like tend to you know obviously we look at her and she's like definitely a femme fatale and and what she did was was really really bad but i don't get the feeling that she's like cold-hearted i think she like because when when she leaves philip she looks like she's kind of genuinely upset about leaving him you know yeah like she like she didn't even need to hang around she could have just been like boom gone i'm out of here um but uh, you know, she hung around till he woke up, and uh, you know, yeah. And now what? Now what do they do with a, her? I left a dear Philip note. Yeah. Well, good question. Well, I mean, the, the good. Well, I mean, I guess from their point of view is that they have her. They have her in custody, so you know, they could you know potentially use her to try and and thwart the uh, the evil plans of the faction. Right, and you know we get a lot of clarity because I mean we've known that in this you know revised future, the faction is at odds with the director, and, and you know now we see things you know a little more clearly, but uh, we also know that Forbes and apparently every FBI agent you know that came down at that point is faction. So you know right. we've got we've got that to look forward to you know, with, with Mac and, and Forbes and the, the idea of whether or not Forbes knows that Mac knows. And, and I, I would suspect that as they start to piece things together, Mac will tell the team, look, don't let on 
that we know. Yeah. Well, here's here's one thing, because just because they appeared in the 21st century timeline after they 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 went they took the director offline, I don't think that necessarily means they're faction, right? Because they could have been from like from McLaren's timeline and just been shot back to that year, which is in the future, according to their current timeline. Uh, you you know, know, like they could have been just regular travelers who got sent back to a time that's in the future co- relative to McLaren, right? Um, yeah, I think, yeah, again, that's one of those things I'd have to start putting it down on paper. And I've, I'm, I've mentioned it, I think, the last couple of weeks. The Travelers Reddit site is a tremendous source. There's a great discussion going on there for each episode. For Jenny, a lot of it is focusing on the ethics involved in what the faction is doing. And and while there's some great discussion there, there are also a couple posts that really lay out, you know, really succinctly and clearly what some of the impact is over what we learn in this episode. So if, if you haven't checked it out, certainly check that out. But yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I I got the idea that once the director went offline, you know, and and then they shut the reactor down before they did that is when they sent as many people to the 21st as they could. Right. But I'm just saying, like, they didn't necessarily arrive. Like someone could have gone, like someone could have been sent back right before uh, McLaren was. And ended up being sent back two years in the future from where McLaren was sent back, you see? Okay. So just because in the timeline now, so yes, all those who were sent back from the future after, you know, whatever that they they changed it um, are going to be factioned. But people who could have been sent back before that and just been sent back to a, a, a later date in the 21st century. Okay. Yeah. Before you mean before McLaren's team. Yeah. Okay. So like McLaren's team gets sent back to 2015 and like another group who maybe left like right after him could have been sent back to 2017. Right. Is grace responsible for what's happening? I mean, that's a question that certainly occurred to me. I mean, did she force the factions hand by resetting the director? And, and I think the answer is probably yes to a certain extent. Without the director's processing power, we find out consciousness transfer isn't possible. So before power was cut to the director, in our last moment of control, we sent everyone we could to the 21st. So after they do that, they shut the director down and the reactor down. But how'd they know it was like their last moment of control, though, you know? Yeah, and and and... My question isn't doesn't anybody guard the director? Yeah. I, I mean, you've got this powerful AI. Uh, I mean, is it just like alone in a room? I mean, uh, so yeah. Well, I, now Walt and his boys do right. Uh, yeah. Well, right. That's the that's what they're certainly leaving us. And and next week's episode, uh, the title sort of implies that that you know I think it's you two. 80 something which is i guess uranium and then i forget what the number is i should have paid more attention in uh chemistry class or whenever it was uh, we did the periodic table but yeah, earth uh, science probably maybe 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, chemistry yeah. class, yeah. Right. But, you know, as I mentioned on the Reddit site, there's a lot of the morality being discussed over what the faction's trying to do. Is releasing the virus careless and short-sighted? I mean, is it, you know, do they really believe in the math here? Maybe yeah. they do. Well, they said they, well, I mean, they, they said they engineered it to, you know, to, to only kill off 30% of the people. But how do you, how, how, does, how do you do that, right? How do you engineer a virus? That, like, uh, uh, from my understanding, viruses can kind of like do their own thing, you know? Right. Because scientists never make like, mistakes with these kinds of things. Nothing Absolutely ever gets not, out never. of control. <laughs> Dollhouse. All right. Um, opening scene. We've 12 got monkeys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the messenger tells a heavily drugged Philip to access a memory chain, which we assume means a bank of information that he w- wouldn't ordinarily possess. And, and I guess a- a- in the aftermath, Jenny mentions that we needed a historian who would be able to do this. He furiously begins writing these formulas on the whiteboards that at, at first I'm thinking jenny conveniently has in her bedroom but she knew this was coming so yeah she probably did have them of course yeah of course and then there's another male traveler who we don't know but she clearly does and you know right away is that is isn't that the the doctor who who saved grant oh you're right 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 and he's he's recruited because he would have the skill to synthesize right whatever it is the you know they need to do Jenny tells Philip, as soon as this is all over, dude, our relationship's over. I got a new mission. Here's your drops. And I'm thinking, like, God, just throwing the drops at him. I mean, it's not like she threw it at him. She just kind of flips them to him. But just, you know, just the uh, the casualness that she does that, it's like, do you not understand that this guy really digs you? And, and well, I- Let's see. I have to disagree with you there, Dave, because I did not interpret that as being casual at all. It seemed to me like she was genuinely upset. Wow. See, I you guess know. I just thought, you know, mission's over. Here's your pills, or um, so here's your drops. Um, you know, see ya. Yeah, but, because like the, the, the whole when he says, you know, I thought we'd made a connection. She's like, oh, so I'm just your connection. Um, there is no need to get mad about that. For, first of all, because. You know, it clearly he was using the word connection, meaning that they they he felt bonded to her. He wasn't speaking in any kind of drug sense. Um, but when people are emotionally distraught, that you know, like their ends get a little raw, their nerves are a little raw, and they are you know quicker to react to things like that. So I I saw her irrational anger there with with Philip as as an indicator that she's. Um, in emotionally in a bad place. So you think she feels bad for having used him? Yes. Okay. All right. I mean, totally. fair enough. I mean, I think that goes back to the the oxycodone. I mean, whether or not it was to prevent her from going through the pain of you know dying from this infection, or you know because she felt guilty about what she'd done, and I guess it could be both. But we find out that two weeks have passed since Jenny breaks up with Philip. And, and I want to touch on David for a second. Uh, be, you know, we, we, we've got David and Jeff who who we see their little mini stories, but j- just because they're short in screen time doesn't mean they're any less significant. And he returns Marcy's call 
and she tells him to stay inside because of the epidemic. And immediately when he realizes the import of what she's saying, he says, no, I've got clients to take care of. They don't have a place to stay inside. And not that we needed this to know what kind of man David is, but still, and that's why I think as much as I've grown to like David, him dying as a martyr of sorts, or maybe not a martyr really, but 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 certainly his dying. But yeah, I th- I think his time and like we mentioned the uh, the vacuum tubes in his apartment with the countdown numbers on there. Yeah, I mean that's not an accident. No, oh, definitely, definitely not. No, no way. Uh, I, yeah, I just I can't believe I I told because I even wrote down the numbers. I forgot about the the countdown. So yeah, that. But of course, there there's been times in the past when the countdown the timer went on and and it it didn't happen, right? Right. So there's still potentially hope there. Um, I feel like like again, like I've I, I'd say we criticize, but it's really just me who's been was really harsh and i I won't take that back and say unjustly so but they really turned around the character of david i think to turn him from kind of like the weak-willed individual to like right right now is definitely his hero moment right yeah like he's stepping up um you know marcy says stay inside he's like you what no like she tells him it's a deadly virus and he knows that, but he's like, I got people I have to take care of. Yeah. And so and, he goes out and to to do his job, which is exactly my, I question his ethics, his professional ethics was, was what I was questioning earlier. Well, you know, now you just see he's, you know, he's just completely doing the right thing here. Right. And, you know, the, the, the scene at first when he takes the one uh, man to the hospital for treatment and we see that the hospital's totally overrun and, and i like that they handled it i think you know maybe you could argue not so realistic when the nurse says look this is the best i can do she gives them a box of masks and, and i thought well that's something i can accept as real if she just said okay here bring them over here i'll, I'll take a look at them no come on given all the confusion and, and the chaos that wouldn't be believable. So I, so I like that they did that. And then he runs into Mac at the hospital, and, and obviously Mac's there to get the drug or whatever it is that, that Marcy needs. And as you said, he continues doing what he can for the homeless. Now, the other character I mentioned earlier is Jeff. And, and you know, just like with what you said about David, we don't forget his past, but we can also right. accept that this is a character that may in fact be changing and and he's called he's called into work because of the flu epidemic hitting the precinct really hard and we see that scene as he's leaving the house and he can't find his jacket and carly gives him a hard time because it's supposed to be his day to care for baby jeff Mm -hmm. and okay i get that he didn't say please right but but then as he says well you are his mother and yeah. I'm, th- I'm thinking like, okay, there had to be a midpoint. She was really mean about it. And yeah. yes, he could have asked more nicely, but I don't think he deserved the treatment he got. No. And, you know, there at the end, she knew all along where his coat was. So I, I don't want to say I feel bad for the guy <laughs> because, again, there's a lot because of baggage. My, my wife might listen to this podcast at some point, so... Yeah. Uh, but there's there's no 
No, no one. I'm not going to say no dude. Just no one who's ever been in a relationship is unfamiliar with what happens to Jeff here. That just completely unreasonable anger and and pettiness. I mean, she's sitting there at a freaking computer. How much would that piss you off? Yeah. Like I get called into work because there's a major epidemic. You're giving me shit, and you're sitting there, you know, on like probably like on Facebook or something. Like, are you kidding me? Yep. Like, right. So that's what I liked his line, and like for me to use the word like in reference to Jeff, it's a big step, right? But I think um, it's warranted. Yeah, I, I absolutely think that that his character has been growing, um, and here for the first time, I, I'm actually siding with him over Carly. I'm like, Carly, you are you're you're being ridiculous. Now, he did try to kill her, though. That is something that's not easy to get over, right? right. So there is that. But uh, in this case, she's accepting that he's a part of her kid's life and is going to help out. She's got to loosen the F up, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, I mean, we see him at the precinct, and, and that's, you know, one of the first times we get a, a, a clear idea of how quickly the virus is spreading. We learn that he has not had an inoculation, and we already see that he's been coughing. So, you know, later when yeah, he what runs. What will it do if they have, right? This is a completely unknown virus. True. True. Like, what do they have that that's going to help, right? It's Nothing. Not just the regular flu, yeah. Right. Uh, now, he runs into Mac at the hospital, and, they, you know, they have that little exchange where Jeff's still a little skeptical about the relationship that was going on between Mac and Carly. But Mac, you know, in no uncertain terms, says, get your baby and go home. You realize that I think Jeff, it's like, okay, I can see how serious this is. And clearly we know that's what he does because then we see he has the baby at home, but he's still coughing and baby Jeffrey is in distress. So I'm not going to be surprised if big Jeff dies and I'm not going to say dies a hero, although he certainly does what a good father should do. It has his child's best interest at heart. Uh, I'll certainly be disappointed if baby Jeffrey dies. And I don't think they'll do that because I think what will happen no. is – if that does happen, that Carly will then have baby Jeff and, and and basically have to come to grips with, you know, the the last days. And as you said, dude tried to kill me. So right. I, I can't forget that. But still. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like there's there's a lot for, of, of what you just talked about there. I'd, I'd like to kind of respond to. Well, I mean, the first thing is when he runs into Grant and at the hospital and uh grant's like it was never about what you thought it was about and i'm like well it kind of was true because you were having sex with her so that's what he thought it was about so yeah he was right that's what it was about grant you know um so so that's the first thing and and, and certainly um yeah, we see him stepping up and taking care of the baby and doing what he can, which very, very, very distressing scene. Um, you know how I feel about when like they put little kids in danger and distress. Yes. Uh, I don't like it. I think that's probably the thing that made me the most anxious about this episode and what had me so upset at the end. Well, I wasn't like so upset. like I was like, couldn't go to sleep or anything. But I was at the end of this, I was a little shaken up, I'll admit, you know. 
Um, and I think that that scene of of the baby crying and inconsolable, and and Jeffrey's trying to put like a cold compress on his head to try and make him feel better. It's just, man, if they kill off the baby, I don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if I can, I can keep doing this, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think they will, but I, I don't think they will, but. You know, again, at this point, they're definitely setting it up. You know, like, so I, you know, who knows? Yeah. Um, someone, I think we can agree is someone that we like a major character is going to go down, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's, it's whether it's David or Jeffrey or one of the team, possibly even maybe, um, or God help us, the baby. You know, so, it's, the, yeah, someone's not making it out of this one. Yeah. So, um, well, well, you know, one one of the other things that that really I think is important in this episode is that they they touch on the different characters really coming to terms with life in the twenty first century and making some personal connections that would would be typical of ordinary life so for instance i I love the that scene where aunt marcy makes a house call because baby jeff has a fever you know early in the episode and you know after she says you know he he, he's going to be okay fever's not that high alternate the you know the 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 two aspirin products and then carly says you know would you like to stay for coffee and I, i just really love that scene because it's just you know it's two women that are work friends but it's now it's almost like on on a different female friend connection and you know it's something that that everybody has to have a friend and and yes we're co-workers yes we get along at work but but that that invitation to stay for coffee and i was so pleased that marcy agreed i was afraid she was going to say no i don't have time which right. would have been typical for marcy so you you wonder is marcy you know having those you know those same well yeah we, uh, we definitely see marcy trying to make a connection right you know she pushed everyone away from her when she you know first returned um and now we see her trying to bring people back into her her life. Uh, first with Carly, yeah. Let's talk about the the, the conversation here between uh, Carly and Marcy because Carly, I think, basically tells her it would have been better if she had died before. I think. Well, yeah, you know, that's one of those things because what's coming, you know, Carly's adjusting to being a mom. And she points out that given her training as a soldier and weapons expert, you know, she's a little bit surprised. And, and, and you know, Marcy, you know, says, well, you you really are her, his mother, despite what you think. But then, like what you're talking about, it's that decision to reboot Marcy as a means of saving her life. And that's that's the, you know, the Marcy 1.0 who was going to die. And I was you know again that was one of those things that i was trying to remember exactly you know what was going on there and marcy says well i thought that was the only option there was to save my life and carly says well that's true it was well then what are you talking about yeah <laughs> and, and she kind of implies that well we could have waited a little bit and I, again i guess i'd have to really go back and i didn't have time to do that wait for what you know okay wait and what she dies or reboot her and and 
obviously the downside, and I don't mean to make light of it, but the downside is that she loses that, I forget what it was, we probably knew at the time, that two-month period from right. when she you know, first inhabited the body of Marcy, the intellectually challenged young woman, to, to the reboot. So I don't know if that's going to come up because you know now the fact that Carly has some reservations about what they did, I mean, is that going to lead Marcy to then start asking questions? So I don't know. Well, I mean, the question she would ask is, you know, why doesn't anyone like me? Why is Carly saying that it would have been better if I had died rather than being rebooted, you know, which is kind of what it seems like she's saying, which I'd be like, you know, like a little insulted. I'm like, wait, what? Well, it's not like Marcy 1.0 was an unpleasant person. I mean, she was, you know, matter of fact about doing her job, but right. that that's not a crime. But I'd be like, so what's what's wrong with me that you think, you know, it would have been better if, you know, I had died rather than be me? I don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I, I might be reading too much into it, but yeah. All right. Well, we also see Catherine and Mac at the obstetrician Surprise, surprise, the dark spot on her sonogram is gone, so we can assume whatever Marcy did actually helped. And I know we talked last week about whether or not, you know, she would perhaps take the opposite route. And and I think you especially thought that was probably not going to happen, so so clearly it was not. Now, watching Mac with her, I mean, he really Mm -hmm. seems to have fallen in love with her. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. Like, he is probably as happy as we've seen him in this show when he looks and sees how relieved and happy Kat is. Yeah, and I only have one question that that is kind of nagging at me, and I wonder, has he fallen in love with the idea of being a father more so than being a husband? Uh, that is a good question. I would tend to say, I think... He just wants to please Kat. So I think he loves her. Okay. I think part of it comes from the, the journey he made where he basically experienced their relationship. Yeah, you know? sure. And that, that one episode as right. uh, the original Grant was dying, um, you know, Grant from the future uh, got to share those experiences. And, and he came out of that uh, definitely changed. Yeah. Oh, right. They're riding in the convertible down the yeah. road in the desert or wherever they were. Yeah. I believe it's cool. a Jeep, but yeah. Okay. Um, perhaps my favorite scene in the whole episode, and it's the one that I used for the picture on the uh, the website, is when Grace comes up to Trevor in the cafeteria and just blurts out about whether the directors yeah. contacted him. And he's like... <laughs> Uh, there's people around just like as if they have a brain cell left to understand. And and you look down in every one of them. And obviously this is a scene that, that you and I have seen (laughs) hundreds, maybe thousands of times. Every kid's looking at his or her phone and is as grace thought oblivious to what's going on. So uh, we, we, I know we often criticize television shows that try to do school scenes, but this one was kind of dead on. Oh, well that's true, but there is one that was not, not, not totally terrible, but you know, and, and somebody, the listeners, you, it's like you two guys are nitpicking and maybe you won't nitpick. Do you know what scene I'm talking about? I don't think what, so. What, what grade is Trevor in? Oh, is he 
supposed to be a senior? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. You don't read Romeo and Juliet senior year. Right. Now, unless they're doing a production well, of it. Well, he's an athlete, though, too, Dave. So he might not be in the... I don't, I don't think he's taking AP. And it, it <laughs> didn't look like it was English class. It looked like it was theater class. Yeah, it did look like that. So uh, he's given up football. Which is, and our friend on. Pam will tell you, you can just do whatever the heck you want in theater class, right? Yeah, good point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but... You know, the reality of her situation is really, I don't want to say thrown in her face because Trevor's too nice to do it that way, but he does tell her, well, look, you don't have a team and you came to the 21st on your own, not necessarily against orders, but you didn't have any orders to do that. So it's not a surprise that you don't have any missions, but you can just see that she's desperate to do something anything other than counsel teenagers at school and 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 once again you know i mean she's kind of become the comic relief of the show and i love the way they handle it because it's just funny because she's so serious and and i love that the touch that they used again her love of what's seen traditionally as crappy food hospital food a few weeks ago high Uh school cafeteria food this time so yeah, I, well, in uh, the the high school cafeteria chicken nuggets, oh which right, must be the foulest thing invented in human history, and she loves it. Yes, yes, she, and she says fake chicken. Yeah, <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right, but likes it anyway all right now the other thing, yeah. that, and this kind of piggybacks on what we were saying about the conversation with Marcy and Carly. Marcy's now, in response to that conversation, looking at photos obviously considering what Carly said, and that's when David calls, uh, I'm sorry, that's when she calls David, his machine picks up initially, but then he picks it up, and it's almost like she pretends that she doesn't know that and leaves the message, but no, in, retro- no, no, in retrospect... Not, that, 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 that's what I thought. I thought the same thing, but it's not David. That as she's leaving the message, she's getting the call in from... Uh, um. Oh, who? I don't know. Someone on the team well, is calling her over the comments. Right, right. And I, I did see that on the, the Philip. The Philip is calling her. Right. But yeah. regardless, I, I think it's going to lead to her wanting to know more about the circumstances of her reboot. So uh, I, that's going to be something that I'm going to have to try to do a little bit more research about the circumstances surrounding that. But but obviously the bulk of this episode is the pandemic mission yeah. and actually before you get into that yeah. Dave, there's one thing i wanted to say about the doctor's appointment and this is definitely nitpicking but really he had to call them in to tell them that they had to pay a copay so he could just be like first of all oh the printer was broken that's why i'm late i would have been like what like you're you're running late on your appointments because the printer what, just pull it up on your computer screen. Like who gives a crap about your printer? And then he does well. Everything's okay. And then he gets up and walks away. It's like that was literally like a thirty second appointment. They probably had to slap down a fifteen dollar copay for that. Right. They could have just gone to the patient portal online. Yeah, he could have called them, left a message. Yeah. Really. Yeah. I know. Okay. So anyway, so, all right, on so, to the pandemic. Yeah. You know, we see Trevor and Philip 
meet that couple in the RV. They're making package drops across the state, and, and you know they're one of the last. And, and and of course, their mission involves preventing, or so they think, a pandemic flu virus that. You know, it's going to wipe out a significant portion of the population, but I think they say like 70,000 or something. I mean, it's I mean, it's a big number. There's no question, but right. it's it's not like what we find out at the end of the episode. And they think the package contains an antiviral and the team is supposed to inoculate three individuals who are known to have died and apparently help spread the virus. So so we get that scene. And at first I'm thinking like, damn. Max in Shanghai? That's cool. But no, of course. (laughs) So they were showing the scene in in Berlin and Shanghai to let us know that travelers all around the world were carrying out similar missions. So, you know, Max exercising in the park, I love how he uses the uh, the bee sting playoff when he injects the woman. Uh, Philip puts the pill in the personal trainer's water bottle. Yeah, in like the least smooth move ever. Yes. Like, I'd be like, dude, what are you doing with my wire? Like, yeah. He just gets up, walks over to the wire, walks away like, really? Well, and I like right, the one anyway. in, in Shanghai because th- that's kind of much more realistic. The guy jabs a needle in a guy and, and the guy's yeah. like, what the hell? And starts yeah. running after him, which, you know, you would certainly expect. And Sure. You know. But we see that Philip is still on the drops when two travelers, one of whom is Boyd, show up at HQ. The guy's sick with the virus. Boyd certainly doesn't look too too good herself. Hey, she looks plenty good. Well, I mean, in terms of being sick. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, they determine because Boyd is there is her team's doctor as well. I mean, I know she's the yes. leader now. Because I think she said earlier that her leader died. So she's got the medical background as well. But they determined that this is a new pathogen unknown in their time and the 21st. And Boyd says she checked every century after. And again, I've said this a number of times during the course of the podcast. Saying that she checked every century after, to me, implies at least two centuries more than likely, more than two. So when we talk about when are they from, you know, 23rd, 24th century, pretty far into the future, you know, when, when yep. you think about it. So whether or not uh-huh. we ever get to see, you know, their time or not, it'll be fascinating how they present it. But um, they finally put the pieces together and start making the connection between, you know, traveler involvement with the antiviral mission, you know, because they're getting sick themselves. Uh, You know, the guy that Boyd brings in eventually dies. And we learned that Marcy and Mac are immune. Uh, I'm assuming, right. I'm assuming it's just, you know, a genetic anomaly in, in, in the same sense that they've engineered this virus to kill 30% of the population. Well, right. clearly, Marcy and Mac must be part of the 70. Well, let's break down the math. I mean, how many people... So the dude died, Boyd's sick. There's three other people in, in the team. So that's, you know, two out of five. What, right. what percentage is that? That's 40. 40%. It's 40%. Yep. So, and, and then, that you live, know... though, right? It's 40%. It's supposed to, 30% is supposed to die. Right, so 70% are supposed to live. But obviously, that's a small sample size. 
But, yeah. uh, you know, they're starting to put the pieces together that they thought they were supposed to stop it when, in fact, they started it. All right. And that whole question comes up. And, and that's another interesting thing with Grace is that she has this mindset that the director is infallible, which may or may not be true. I mean, obviously, these instructions are not really coming from the director. They're coming from the faction. Right? Yeah. So so we know that. But Actually, I'm sorry. I'll get you up real quick. I just redid the math. It is 28.5%. Okay. Is two out of seven people. So, all right. Anyway. Sounds good. Two out of seven, <laughs> you're hitting 286. All right. Right. Um, so, Not bad. So Carly and Trevor go back to check out the RV and find that it was cleaned out and the couple's been assassinated, which yeah. we assume you know, was you know, by the, the faction to keep them quiet. And it's at this point that Grace comes to HQ and, and she is sick as well. The director's antiviral didn't work. Grace is like, hey, it'll be fine. The director will do something. You know, it, it, it's, I don't know if it's that she had such a hand in the director that she right. just can't see see past that. But, uh, well, yeah, they, they don't even consider the possibility that when they put the director offline, that that had like significant ripple effects, right? Right, sure, sure. And then, you know, at, at this point, everything starts coming together really quickly. Uh, you know, the guy from Jenny's, the doctor, uh, shows up, and, you know, they determine that Jenny's the source of the antivirus. You know, we, we talked about him finding her on the floor. And then Mac returns with that bottle of whatever drug Marcy needed, and apparently she sent him to the doctor that has crush on her that you know they had sick uh they had sex and you know so he's got whatever right. he needs but four million are sick today 10 million tomorrow i don't know how that's going to go away quickly yeah so right I, I i'm really looking forward to the next episode to see how they handle that but you know it, that, it just seems so hopeless at this point though yeah you know yeah um but you Cause, know because jenny's like you can't stop it. You yeah. Know? Like, right. like, don't even try. Yeah. And, you know, her uh, admission that the overpopulation of the earth is the greatest threat to mankind. And what we're simply going to do is address that issue. Well, that's a pretty big moral and ethical decision to make for people that really you have no connection to or really no i mean you do have power over them because clearly you're doing this but you really shouldn't on the reddit site somebody was talking about you know what that would actually mean and i think they said it would actually just take the world's population back to i think the 1980 or something like that oh. but but still um a simpler time. A simpler time, I guess. And then that, that final scene, the director wasn't capable of seeing the natural solution. So, in other words, the faction did not have confidence that the director would be able to do what needed to be done in the 21st. Right. Wouldn't be able to take the necessary steps to ensure the survival of the human race. So, we're going to take it into our hands we're going to shut the director down and here's what we're going to do okay 
And then that final scene when Forbes and his armed team surrounds the, the quantum frame, which appears to be powering up and okay. Now what? Yeah. Now I don't know what, I have no idea what that means. Yeah. So, I mean, are they bringing more people? from you know the 24th 25th whenever they're from well, you, you gotta feel like the director's not going down without a fight you know so is the director back online i mean you know um uh, yeah. which which means did they power up the reactor <clears throat> to get i mean you, you, you'd like to think with what we know that once the faction shuts down the director takes them offline and shuts down the reactor, which we assume is what powers the director, that then those supporting the director got to get that reactor powered up again, which is probably no small feat in any uh, time, and then get the director back online. So is, is that what's going on here? But it, it almost seems as if Forbes and his team were ready for it so that maybe that they were expecting it, but that doesn't necessarily negate that it could be uh, the director's people, but great episode. I mean, we find out yeah. a lot. We get a lot of answers, a lot of answers, still got a lot of questions, but yep. uh, I, I think the biggest, as we said, I, I think some people are going to die. And as much as I hate to see them go, yeah, I think sometimes a show, there have to be, we've said this before, there have to be real stakes yeah, for the characters. Right. I mean, again, we understand that that certain characters, you know, Grant McLaren is not going to die. Well, so, but. Yeah. Well, I believe, you know, as a fan of The Walking Dead, this is an issue I grapple with every single week, pretty much. You know, like just this feeling like almost anyone could go. Well, that's true. I mean, and, and you never know. I mean, now that I've been watching Buffy for a long time and you, you learn about uh, different characters leaving the show and it's like, well, wait a minute. They were like becoming a major character and boom, now they're gone. And you learn, right. well, in real life, this happened. So, you yeah, know, somebody, yeah. somebody like Mackenzie Porter, maybe she gets some offer to join whoever's band and it's too good an opportunity to <laughs> turn down. So we're going to kill you. I mean, but- I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? So uh, anything else you want to bring up that we haven't talked about? Well, just one thing. So, so speaking of Mackenzie Porter, you know, she performed CPR on the, the traveler that was unsuccessful. Um, fans of the show lost were probably shattered by that because if you, you watch lost, you see that CPR works like every single time. Oh yeah. Good point. uh, But, not so on Travelers. Yeah, good point. I like it. And I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, like we said, good episode. A uh, lot, to, lot to talk about, a lot to think about. You know, and again, if there's something that we didn't mention, post it up on the Facebook group and we can continue the discussion there. And if you have to resubscribe, uh, you know, our numbers are slowly climbing back. I think as people realize, hey, how come I'm not getting sci-fi TV rewatching my feed anymore? So... But, uh, you know, moving in the right direction, just like Look Jeff. Look us up. Yep. So, all right. all right. Well, we want to thank you for joining us tonight. Love to hear what you think about Travelers, anything else going on in genre TV. Encourage you to join the Facebook group. Share your thoughts with the Sci-Fi TV Rewatch community. If you're already a member, you can spread the word. Emails to sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com. 
voicemails via the SpeakPipe tab, which you can access through the website. And we'll be back next week to talk about Season 2, Episode 6 of Travelers, titled U-235. But until then... So, you know, Dave, you talked about like how we have parent conferences going on now and everything. Yeah, I'd just like to share with you what I, I always open up the conference with, with this line. I think it kind of really establishes the tone. Um, there's literally nothing going on in their little brains. <laughs>